This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, what is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not, but afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave him the same order. He said in reply, yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. This Sunday, we move into the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. At this point in the Gospel, Jesus has entered into the city of Jerusalem to approach the culmination of his mission, his passion, death, and resurrection, through which he brings salvation into this world. As you may recall from our celebrations of Palm Sunday, huge crowds of people come out into the streets to greet Jesus when he enters Jerusalem. And these crowds of people proclaim, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's a proclamation that these people say that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of God's chosen Jewish people, even the Savior of the world. Matthew says in his account of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem that the whole city is shaken and asks, who is this? That really is the question 2,000 years ago and from that point until the end of earthly time. Every person who encounters Jesus ultimately has to decide, who is this? Who is Jesus? Each person's decision about who he or she believes Jesus is may or may not be revealed by his or her words, but it's ultimately revealed in his or her actions. Certain religious leaders, the chief priests and elders of the people in today's passage, say that they believe in God. They say they're in active relationships with God. They say they are dedicated to doing God's will. They say they're ministers of God, that they help other people know God and do God's will. Who they actually are is revealed in their actions when they encounter Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is not just an inspiring human being. Jesus is the eternal God who has become a fully human being. These leaders' limited understanding of God and their position as leaders of the people and their position in relation to secular authorities are deeply challenged by Jesus. He provokes them. Jesus in his preaching and his actions challenges and provokes these people. But that's the same for everybody who encounters Jesus. When these religious leaders are challenged and provoked by Jesus, they are enraged by him. So in the passage we just heard, 
these certain religious leaders have come to trap Jesus into saying something that they think is blasphemous so that they can hopefully have him arrested. Jesus loves these people. He completely cares about these people. As they're coming after him, he turns the focus from himself to them, and he addresses the question among the many, many people who have encountered Jesus and John the Baptist, the precursor of Jesus, who actually does God the Father's will? Jesus offers a simple parable to these leaders and to us. In the parable, a father has two sons. The father gives both sons the same order, go out and work in the vineyard today. The first son says, I will not. But afterwards, he changes his mind and he goes to work in the vineyard. The second son says, yes, sir, but he doesn't go to work in the vineyard. Jesus asks these religious leaders, which of the two does his father's will in the parable? The religious leaders who oppose Jesus have to logically answer the first son, the son who at first will not do what his father commands him to do, but changes his mind and goes to work in the vineyard. Jesus is direct with these leaders in telling them what that parable means for them. John the Baptist, who prepared the way for the coming of Jesus, and Jesus himself all the more, have invited people to become part of the kingdom of God. The people who've encountered John the Baptist and Jesus include tax collectors and prostitutes. Tax collectors and prostitutes, I think you know, are considered extremely immoral people because tax collectors in Jesus' time and place very often cruelly cheat people. And prostitutes, obviously, commit grave sexual sins. Tax collectors and prostitutes in Jesus' time and place are also prime examples of Jewish people who work closely with the unjust occupying Roman forces. Tax collectors and prostitutes are commonly despised. Jesus explains here that tax collectors and prostitutes have in the past chosen to reject God's will by acting in seriously corrupt and immoral ways. But when they've encountered John the Baptist and Jesus, when they've been called to change by John the Baptist and Jesus, they've chosen to change. They've repented of their sinful ways. They've begun to act to do what John the Baptist and Jesus teach them is the will of God the Father. These chief priests and scribes say, we do the Father's will. But when God the Father sends them John the Baptist, God's direct messenger, when God the Father sends them Jesus, God's eternal Son, they choose to reject them. They don't change. They don't repent of their sinful ways. And they don't act to do what John the Baptist and Jesus teach them is the will of God the Father. These religious leaders don't do the Father's will, even when they see the conversion of tax collectors and prostitutes. I hope this is pretty easy to grasp. 2,000 years ago and today, to be an authentic disciple of Jesus 
is ultimately to do God's will as taught by Jesus. Our words are important, but our words may or may not be true. All of us in a few minutes in this Mass are going to say what we believe about Jesus, just the same as that crowd 2,000 years ago in Matthew 21, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Whether those words that we say about Jesus are true is revealed in our actions. Please go wherever you want, as I hope you reread and reflect on this passage this week. I'd like to give you three thoughts to get you going. Some of this actually builds on points that we've reflected on on Sundays in the past month. I hope this is positively reinforcing spiritually rather than negatively repetitive. So thought number one. In the parable, the first son initially tells his father he won't go to work in the vineyard. I presume he has negative feelings about going to work. We can imagine whatever we like about those feelings. It's a story. You can imagine whatever you like. In subsequently going to work, doing what the father tells him to do, the parable says nothing about the son's feelings The English translation we just heard says he changes his mind. The Greek word is literally he repents. For you fans of Greek, that's from metanoia. The son's positive action follows from a change in his will. Whatever his feelings are, which very well may not have changed from what they were initially, he's led by his intellect the brain that God has given him with which to make decisions, to make correct godly decisions. Does he now feel like going to work? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't feel like going to work any more than he did. His feelings are secondary, very, very secondary. What matters, what's primary, is that he uses his intellect. He decides to repent. That is the right thing to do, and he acts out of that decision. We've talked about this. Whether it's 2,000 years ago, or to me, I think much more importantly, in our country today, an authentic disciple of Jesus is supposed to be a, is a person with the basic maturity, and you can have this at age 8 or at age 88, to of course be aware of his or her feelings and to honor those feelings. But ultimately, an authentic disciple of Jesus has the maturity to make decisions about how to act and then acts on the basis of his or her intellect and will. You've heard this from me repeatedly. As a priest, I experience more and more people who actually are trying to pursue God stuck in their feelings. I believe we live in a country in which we are acting much more than we may have in the past out of our negative, violent, offensive, and offended feelings. For me to grow as a godly person, I need to use my intellect. I need to recognize my feelings, honor my feelings, but decide how to act with my intellect and act with my will. 
Thought number two, if we're authentic disciples of Jesus, we are not the heirs of perfect people. If we're authentic disciples of Jesus, which I believe so many of you are, we're the heirs of tax collectors and prostitutes who said yes to John the Baptist, who said yes to Jesus, and decided to repent and become doers of God's will. We should be proud of being the spiritual heirs of people who lived gravely sinful lives, who were provoked by John the Baptist and Jesus, who called them to conversion, and who chose to repent and act as doers of God's will. As we have seen in the recent history of the church, when the church seems to be more a group of people who claim to have always existed on the high end of the holiness scale, especially when we have leaders who act that way about themselves, we should be very, very careful. With the exception of the Blessed Virgin Mary, our mother, our greatest intercessor, the church is always meant to fundamentally be a community of repentant sinners. Third and final thought. I am deeply grateful to be part of a community of Roman Catholics who pretty much identify themselves as repentant sinners. St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts, which includes the many people who have become actively part of this faith community through the internet and podcasts. Just in the past few weeks, based on the Sunday Gospel readings, I have witnessed so many people in this community and who communicate electronically, saying from their hearts, I wasn't generous, but I've changed. I've heard God's word. I've made the decision to repent, and now I'm living generously. I'm growing in generosity. I didn't feed the hungry people in our city. I didn't give drink to the thirsty people in our city. I didn't welcome the strangers in our city, but I've changed. I've heard God's word through Jesus. It's challenged me. It's provoked me. I've made the decision to repent, and now I'm feeding and giving drink and welcoming. I used to withhold forgiveness, but I've been provoked by Jesus' teaching. I've decided to forgive, and I'm now forgiving. I did not extend mercy to people who merited mercy, but I heard Jesus' word. I chose to repent. I'm now extending mercy. When people sinned against me, I withdrew. I was resentful. I hated. I wreaked vengeance. But I heard Jesus' teaching about those three steps that he tells me I must pursue when people sin against me, and I used the intellect he gave me with all of these other feelings. I decided to change, and I am now acting differently. As a person who is trying to grow as an authentic disciple of Jesus, and as a priest who takes as a direct warning the limitations of the religious leaders around Jesus in that gospel passage. I thank you for your example. 
You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.